Right, welcome everyone to Fazlift's podcast episode 40. Uh, and I have back with me my uh, guest today, Alex Shinaz, uh, fifth time you're on. Uh, welcome back, Alex. How are you doing? Fifth time. <laughs> fifth time, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Great to be here. Yeah, and they've all been very successful, so I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to, to have you back on. So uh, we thought we'd come, come back on and have a little talk about current issues, what with everything going on. Uh, Alex has in, been in a great position because he's an online, online coach, so we kind of want to delve into that angle and see how this, is, uh, how this has been doing and perhaps talk a bit about the uh, bodybuilding season as well. Yeah, sounds good. I think we, uh, we're all kind of in the same boat, so it's a, it's a good thing to talk about. Yeah, so uh, let's, let's start with the first question. Um, how, uh, how are you holding up? approaching quarantine how's it going sort of personally personally and business wise let's let's talk uh, whatever, whatever okay let's start with. so personally um i've had some pretty uh severe or i would say like harsh life changes in the last four or five months um separated from my wife and i'm now living in an apartment uh about 10 miles from the house where my wife and kids are at and we're split in custody. I picked them up today. Um, so my life's changed quite a bit even before this quarantine. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was adjusting to it while also, um, which we'll talk about later, pushing towards the physical businesses that were, um, a cafe and a print shop inside of a gym basically. So we were working extremely hard on getting that open, uh, right before the quarantine happened in our state, we were two days from signing the lease. Wow. So we're, we're basically on hold. So um, on a personal level, it's extremely difficult for me to not have a clear understanding of where I'm going and when I'm, when I'm doing things. Um, yeah. All the things I've been planning for 18 months, two years. Yeah. I mean, you, you've, I've seen the pictures and you've been making great headway on, on the project, you know, the, the, the cafe into the, inside the gym. It looked amazing. Like your ideas were I, awesome. And your printing I mean, business looks spectacular. Yeah. So we've had like, meetings probably three times a week for two hours on top of our regular work. We, we, we really put it on then We have individual homework where we come back to the meetings. And when I say we, it's my partner, Mark, and we have a new partner, Stan, who's a logistics guy, um, excellent logistics guy. And we brought him in. And, uh, so the meetings are intense and we've worked extremely hard. So it's really frustrating to just be sitting here looking at we're about to go sign the lease. Um, funding is all but a slam dunk. It's very, very good business plan. We're very solid. Um, and now we just sit and wait in a definite period of time with no real understanding of what the world's going to look like afterwards. So how does that work from a business point of view? Is, is everything literally just on hold? Cause I know here when it comes to property, everything is pretty much on hold. So is it, is, is it the same situation? I think it's state by state here, but right now in Massachusetts, there are no uh, new real, real estate transactions. Yeah. So you're not allowed to make, an on-the-books real estate transaction. Um, we could technically get in there and start doing a build-out quietly, but we just decided not to until we know really what the uh, scope of this is going to be. Yeah, and how long it's going to last for, right? Right, yeah. Right. I mean, I mean it, uh, Trump has said that he wants the economy back running by Easter. Is that right? Did I read that right? That's the most insanely stupid thing I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, I'm saying that with a high degree of British skepticism there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't follow anything that Trump's saying. I don't follow much of what's being said by the governor or any of that, other than just people sending me updates like, "Hey, you can no longer go to the gym. Hey, you can no longer yeah, do this. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, here's what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do." That's all I pay attention to. I have very, very little confidence in any government official to a tell the truth and b fix anything. So, 
Um, I think it's vastly up to the rest of us to, to handle, um, you know, how to stop the spread of this versus, um, you know, closing down businesses and staying home because as we see here, people are not staying home anyway. This is true. Yeah. So I suppose this is, we'll talk about perhaps the, how we see quarantine ending and all that kind of stuff maybe yeah, a little bit yeah. later on in the podcast. But what I wanted but, to ask you was, um, so business wise, so obviously you've got this, this new physical business, but the online business, how's that going? What are you seeing there? All right. I'm going to finish up the last question though. Cause I didn't really yeah. answer it. Um, personally I have, yeah. and I think it's important to answer it cause I think a lot of people feel the same way. Mm. Um, I have days that are really super fucking hard. Um, you know, and I struggle like yesterday or the day before, I don't remember which day. I think it was the day before yesterday. I basically just was unable to get off my couch and do the things that I had to do. Like simple things like, like pay a credit card bill. Um, I had one credit card that wasn't on auto pay and it was sitting next to me and I, all I had to do is log in and pay it. And I was just staring at it. Like it's fucking $27 or some stupid shit. Mm. And and I was just like, ah, I don't want to pick up my computer. And I turn on the TV and I'm like, I don't want to watch the TV. Like I, I barely watch any TV during this. And I'm like, pick up a book and I can't read three sentences. So I'm mostly just in my feelings about everything. And it's, it all really comes back to, um, for me, for uh, the unknown quantity of, or, or the unknown nature of, um, of the future. I think we all just kind of take for granted that we know certain things are going to be uh, happening every day. And when you don't know that it, it's really tough. So some days are really hard and some days I'm extremely motivated. Um, I've never been, it's never been easier to diet than now for me. Okay. Uh, I feel, I, I feel, how have you, how, how have you found that? Cause I've, I've actually found it harder to keep myself out of the fridge. Cause I'm spending I see more that, time. I, yeah. see it, I see that with people too. It's like some people are crushing it and it's really, really, easy for them and other people I wouldn't say easy but it's it's it helps them focus mm -hmm. and other people are having a horrible time and they're eating snacks and they're you know their check-ins or, or their lack of check-ins tell the story yeah. um so for me what it is is partially when I was I moved into this apartment in February and I told and I was a mess eating before that I was trying really hard I had done keto which people had followed my journey on keto and I did pretty yeah, well I remember yeah yeah, and then I I had some really bad blood work on keto, like like tragically bad. And I was I've, like, wow. I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard the the overwhelming research on keto is not favorable towards blood work. Mm. It was bad. It was like mm. I was looking at it going like, am I contest prepping on like DNP? What the fuck is going on? You know? <laughs> yeah. So I I I scrapped keto and I and for like three weeks I was really good on carbs and I looked really full and I felt good because I was at a lower body weight and I started to look good. Uh, but then after that, it was like I had no structure to my my diet, and my life was kind of falling apart on a personal level in terms of yeah, my relationship. Of course, yeah, yeah. And I would just eat out. Uh, basically, three meals a day was all I would eat, and I would eat like stupid shit, like a bagel with cream cheese would be a meal, mm. and then I'd be starving, so I'd have like tacos and beer. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the usual so, cycle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the usual stuff. So, so for me to get back into this apartment or get into this apartment, um, I immediately started food prepping. And then once the quarantine happened, I, I can't go get food. I'm never the type to go pick up takeout and eat it alone. Um, I would never do that. Yeah, yeah it feels strange, doesn't it? <laughs> no, I have no interest in it. I'd rather just cook my food and eat at home and whatever. Yep. Yep. So what I am interested in, what I've always been like is it, um, I like to go to a bar, sit at a bar, eat some food, talk to a few people. If I'm alone, you know, I'll chat people up, whether it's the bartender or whoever's next to me or whatever, I'll just talk to people. And I like that 
uh, that atmosphere. So I'll often do lunch that way. Um, you know, not being able to do that. I'm, I've got 24 meals in my fridge and I just rock through them and it's, I barely have to think about it. The worst thing I'll do is when I have my kids, I'll have a McDonald's meal with them. Yeah. And really all yeah. I'm doing is eating a couple chicken nuggets and a cheeseburger that's that they leave. Mm. Um, so it's like even my cheat meal is probably half the size of what my regular meals used to be. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've managed to drop about 12 or 13 pounds in like a month. So, I'm, so just, just to, just to reverse back a little bit and quiz you about this a bit more. So since you moved out of your, your, your house and into an apartment, have you found perhaps you've been a little bit happier in a sense, which has perhaps helped adherence to the diet. Perhaps was there a bit of stress eating before? I have a lot of reasons to be happier. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I can quantify it as happier because there's a lot of stress going on in everybody's life, but definitely in mine. So I'm definitely stressed, but I'm, uh, here's the thing that happened before I moved out and before my ex and I had really come to terms with, with moving on. Um, and we were struggling just to kind of coexist. I had developed a neurological issue called trigeminal neuralgia and Interestingly, like I went back and somebody sent me a horoscope on my name and my horoscope. And it literally said like prone to nerve and facial nerve problems. And so this is exactly what happened. And it was excruciatingly painful. So it's like a a condition that your brain tells you that your nerves aren't firing properly. And there's three zones in the side of your face that just kind of become electrified. Right. Um, And it feels like you're getting zapped with a battery or, or shocked and, through the nerves and your it's like kind of like getting a root canal all the time wow. um, without, without medicine. Yeah. So a lot of this, you look it up and it says like the hardest, the worst pain, no demand is like one, one person said, and it's like, you know, and I, I can, I can tell you it was really bad. I couldn't eat anymore. I was pulling over when driving cause my vision got blurry. Uh, it was constant pain and headaches. So I ended up on an uh, anti-seizure medication for that. Hmm. Um, and, and it helped, but it wasn't solving it. And then I ended up, having a tooth extracted um, because as it turned out, it had shattered from me crushing my teeth together from the pain. Oh, geez. Um, so I had my last molar extracted in the back of the bottom of my mouth and, and then I moved out and the pain went away and I haven't needed the, the medication at all. So maybe I'm less stressed from not being at home or maybe the tooth extraction helped, but whatever it is, yeah. it made a clear difference. Um, oh. And uh you know, I, I have a new relationship. I am happy in it. It's the beginning of it. So it's, you know, it's not, not like I can, you know, really talk about much of that much there, but yeah, I'm, sure, sure. yeah I'm good, really happy. It's good to I'm know really you're happy. happy That's good. That's yeah. Great. I'm really happy with, with, with the way we get along and, and, um, how we're able to relate. So yeah. I don't have the relationship stress isn't there. It's I the think, opposite. I think, you know, I don't know if you're the same as me, but when you go to a new relationship, it's you kind of learn lessons from the previous one and how not only how they were to you, but also how you were to them. And you can Absolutely. help. To, do you know what I mean? Because, you know, it's one of those things. It, no one's ever completely at fault. And I think if, if, if I hear a guy saying, yeah, my girlfriend's a complete bitch and it was just her fault, it's like, yeah, he's probably embellishing the truth a little bit. So there are things that we yeah. can learn about ourselves and, moving forward into other relationships. No, and the thing is, is that, uh, in, in my new relationship, we don't even talk in those, that type of language either. Yeah. Um, we don't blame anybody. We, we actually openly talk about what we think are our own flaws and what we've done wrong. Like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's quite a bit of a different, uh, aesthetic and, and pace for me from 
not being able to talk about things to being able to talk about anything. It's important, so, man. It's important. I mean, yeah, I, pretty, I, I'm not very good at that either, you know, uh, opening up and stuff, but I've recently had to do that quite a bit um, for, for various <laughs> things. And uh, yeah. it, uh, it, I was very resistant to it, but it ultimately it's helpful. Like, you know, they say no man's an island. And it's Yeah, true. yeah. So, so personally, I've been, I've been having good days and bad days. Uh, I would say more, more good than bad. Um, I, I would say like two to three good ones, and then I'll have a rough day. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it has to do with when my kids go home and I have to come home and sit on the couch. I've never lived alone in my life until now. Yeah. Uh, I moved into college and I went into a dorm and then I got a roommate and we lived together until I met my first wife. And then we moved in together and we were together for 10 years. Uh, when I moved out after we got divorced uh, or separated, I actually drove back from Colorado all the way home. That's a great story, by the way. I can tell you that one on a podcast. Crazy okay. story. <laughs> Crazy story. So basically the, the cliff notes on that are is married really happily for nine years. Mm-hmm. One day you're not happy, decide to take a break, drive home, and never see her again. Oh wow. Yeah, there was like, there was no <laughs> resolution. That nine no year resolution. itch is quite scarily accurate then. It was yeah, it, it's pretty wild. <laughs> so so when that happened, I moved in with a friend and I expected to be there for four to six weeks, then go back to Colorado and it didn't happen. So I, I was crushed and just ended up like living on his living on an air mattress in his house for like a year until I met my second wife. So I wasn't really alone then. And then I met my second wife and we ended up moving in and, and then now there's now. So I've literally moved from school, from home to school to relationships to now. And so getting home after I drop my kids off, I can, I, you know, a lot of people be like, Oh God, it's so nice. I get some time now to do whatever I want to do. And I just sit there and like, freeze and i get really sad and i'm like yeah. i want i want people around me i'm so used to it yeah you know of course, of course i don't even need them to talk to me i just want them to be over there yeah yeah yeah, you yeah. Know? I, I, so, I i definitely think that's something i would struggle as well I've, I've always been around people always had a lot of family around me so I'd, i think I'd, yeah. I'd struggle with isolation as well for sure yeah so i think there's probably a lot a lot of people who feel that way right now that are like even if they're in relationships and they don't live with their, you know, their boyfriend or girlfriend. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I've, I've been struggling. I'll be honest. So, you know, it's, I've been struggling with it. I mean, it, it, it's, there's, I've got a lot more free time on my hands, you know, cause normally, yeah. I, normally I'm super busy. So I've got work after work. I've got gym. Um, I've got various other projects. I've got my business as well. So I'm pretty much busy seven days a week. I don't really get the yeah. time to stop. Now this whole thing that's happened is just put a, stop on a lot of things so i'm i've got so much more time in my hands i'm I, I feel like i'm so much more needy in my relationship you know yes yes <laughs> just, i really try not to be yeah I, know, but, it sucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I my girlfriend likes when i'm needy but i i also i just feel like trash when i'm when i'm demanding someone's time just because right. i feel bad yeah absolutely. Um, how do you uh how do you feel about <laughs> your motivation like i'm just like you i'm really busy all the time and it's yeah. it's not hard to be motivated because i have to do one thing to get to the next uh right now i'm like i'm like i need to sit down and do a couple of things and i i can't get the ball ball rolling a lot of the time how do you feel about it yeah it's a funny one i mean while i've said i've I've always been around family i i do tend to still isolate myself i'm a bit introverted in that respect so sometimes i can have people overload and that that those can be even my own family so i might just go upstairs and just chill out and hang out for a while by myself so i don't necessarily mind it too much right now i'm all right because i've still got sort of access to people um, and so in terms of motivation, I'm still, I've still got a plan of what to do. I'll be honest, motivation isn't so much a problem. It's just more of a problem right now of knowing what to do <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. to, try and, to try and reach out to people. I guess we'll talk about that later with the online business. 
I, but, yeah, that, that's I, I have things I know I have to get done. Like a couple of things are really simple. Like I'm staring at some curtains that I haven't put up for a month and a half. <laughs> okay. um, they're, they're in the corner. And because my girlfriend would help me do everything in the beginning and we had friends over and we were, you know, making fun of it, you know, we put together furniture and put up stuff and then everyone kind of dissipated and it was on me to finish. And then this happened and I'm just staring at curtains and mm. uh, I have art on the floor that I haven't hung. Um, but there's also like, I need to make a menu for the cafe. I need to actually make a physical menu, not just yeah. the things we've talked about, but build it. Um, but I can't talk to vendors about their products and I can't really make any purchases or decisions based on what I'm going to put in the places. So I don't really know what's going to go into the stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's just kind of like a conceptual menu and I just so have is a it, block. Is it, is it a motivation thing then? Or is it just a case of there are some things you just can't do without uh, other think, people's input? I think I can, I think I could get it to a certain point and I haven't been able to start because my brain says you're not gonna be able to finish it. So don't start it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know, but I don't think that's the case. And, and the way I talk to my clients is completely opposite from the way I'm behaving there. I, I tell people <laughs> get everything they can done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. in their power. Yeah. yeah. Focus on what's in your power. Put the other stuff out of your, you know, that's out of your power out of the way. But you know what? And I think it's I think it's important for people to hear that because I say the same thing. I say to my clients, have a schedule of meals, have a schedule, do your hour cardio that you're allowed to do outside, take that, yeah. take your home yeah. workout, have a schedule. I think it's important for the people to realize that we're not we're not masters at it ourselves. We just have a rough plan and we we try and do our best too. No, that's definitely true. I mean, my clients know I'm not a master at at staying lean. So they must know that I'll get you lean, but like, I'll, I'll get there someday, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Like, uh, I think I'm better at helping people get there than I am myself, but I'm getting better at it. I'm definitely just recently becoming much more, um, disciplined in the things that I used to just be very undisciplined about. So, yeah, and I, I want to bring you back a little bit because I think this is an important topic to talk about a little bit is the keto and blood work i think people need to know this so before we move on to talking about the online business and stuff can we just go back to that how was your blood work looking and what what were the possible causes of that can we just talk a bit about keto and blood work sure there's, there's yeah. a common there's a common misconception that it's actually super healthy for you to drop carbs carbs are the, are the devil all that kind of stuff yeah okay so i have some of this is like uh i know to be true and some of it is my theory um so I started keto, I was about 222 pounds, um, five foot four at best. And I'm not nearly as muscular. I'm getting there now, but I'm not nearly as big muscularly as I was at my peak where I would get to like this size or a little bit, bit heavier and, and still have a little bit of abs. I was pretty much fat. Um, you know, people would like see my legs and go, oh, you're so lean. And I'm like, I'm not lean. Uh, you know, I got a, I got a spare tire. So I got to that point and I just said, I'm going to fucking do keto because I can adhere to it. Even if I'm out, I'll eat a salad with a bunch of shit on it and I'll be fine. I know I'll go over in calories here and there, but I'll be more sated. So I won't be, you know, tempted to just go eat shit. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it, it worked. It, I got, I got down to about 207 pounds and, and I don't know how long I did it. Six weeks, probably something like that. And it was fairly easy and I felt good and I was hiking. Um, I was training. The training was uh, 75% as good as it could be because I don't like training without any glucose, but, um, you know, it was, it was, I was training hard. I was, um, dealing with a shoulder injury, but I was getting around it and, um, feeling good. Then I went to get blood work. Um, I had a routine checkup. So 
one of the things that I've had, I don't know if I've talked about it on your, on your podcast, but since I think I was 35, so seven years ago, um, I started getting proteinuria. I was having protein in my urine and, and I okay. went through a battery of kidney tests hmm. and every kidney doctor said I had no kidney malfunction. I had no scarring. Um, they couldn't see anything wrong. My creatinine was fine. It was, it wasn't fine, but it was like, like it was in range, but it was high in range. Um, it wasn't like it was like low, it was just wasn't elevated. Um, my, my kidney markers were basically average, decent, and, but I still had a ton of protein spilling into my urine mm -hmm. and nobody could figure out the cause and still they, to this day they can't. Um, so I went on the keto diet and at the same time, I have high cholesterol, which is hereditary. My mother is like a stick figure and she has cholesterol in the 300s if she doesn't get medication. So I'm pretty sure that's the case with me too, because if I take a statin within like two weeks, I can take my numbers from like 350 to like 160. Hmm. They, it just goes straight down. Um, so I had not been on my, my statin drugs. Um, I just tried to avoid them and, and, you know, see what my blood work was like without it. And then I got on the keto diet and I went in and my cholesterol was near 400. My triglycerides were through the roof. Wow. Um, it was just the worst, the worst cholesterol readings I'd ever seen. They were very yeah, scary. So measurably worse and, and, and fairly soon after. Correct. It was, the, it was so definitely like, the result of the keto. It, it, it is exasperated for sure because it, like if without it normally I'd be like in the high 200s or something, which was bad, but not like tragically bad. And then sure. this, was, this was just really bad. Um, also, my creatinine was up around 1.56 or 1.62, somewhere in that range, which I'd never seen that high. The highest I'd ever had was 1.3. Um, so I was like, what the fuck is that? And then my liver values were elevated, which I was on no, throughout this entire time for five years. I've been on HRT. I haven't even been on GH. I've been on nothing but HRT. And HRT for me is 110 milligrams every 10 days. Yeah. So I'm basically taking 10 milligrams a day of testosterone. So it's true, um, true TRT, yeah. True TRT, yeah, yeah. So – um, I don't feel like that would contribute at all to any of these problems. No, not uh, no. So, so I, my liver enzymes were elevated again, not ter terribly. They were like, like in the sixties, um, where if people are, are not aware the baseline would be like twenties to forties, somewhere in that range. Yeah. I think it's good to clarify that because we have, I think we have slightly different measures in the, in the UK. Okay, so okay. So like UK creatinine, creatinine measurements that you want to have are like 1.1. Uh, one, you know, something like that or, or below, but yeah. if you're like, if you're a bodybuilder and you get a 1.2 or 1.3 and you're in prep, it's like not the worst thing, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that measure is, is the same over here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think someone was like, like Fouad Abiy put up his blood work and his EGFR was like, it was sky high. Yeah. It was stupid high. Yeah. It was like stupid, stupid, like he, his kidneys weren't filtering and he was like, this isn't too bad. And everybody was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah I know. We, we all so, saw that on the forum. We were like, what the hell, dude? That's huge. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot of people that don't know what bad is versus yeah. like really bad. Um, and it is a personal individual, individual thing. But my EGFR was like not terrible, but it was still not, not optimal. Uh, my creatinine had elevated, not in a good way. My cholesterol was skyrocketed. My, my liver, liver enzymes were high. Um, and it was enough for me at 41 at the time to be like, this is fucking stupid. You know, like I need to do something and I don't, I'm, I'm more active than I've been. I'm yeah. dropping weight. I dropped 15 pounds and I'm in the worst 
shape of my life blood work wise. Yes. Like I had done, I had done competitions and had better blood work. Yeah. So I think so that's I, the, uh, sorry, Karen. Yeah. So I, so I got off of it and, and, you know, once I, the funny thing is, is I, I gained back the 15 pounds mm-hmm. and kept training and kept walking, but I was just eating like I couldn't stop. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> my, and my blood work just fixed itself. Like my next blood work was okay. And then the next one after that was like, incredible like like the best blood work i've ever had which was really really strange to me because i did go back on the statin drug so that did clear up the cholesterol so my theory the part that i know to be true is the cholesterol needs to be you know handled with a drug the part that i have to be a theory and i don't know if this makes any medical sense or not because i've said this to my doctors and they look at me like i'm crazy but i think there's something to it Uh, my theory is that when you have high cholesterol you've got a lot of oily shit in your blood Mm -hmm. and to me, it feels like if that's the case, your kidneys work extra hard. So makes sense. <laughs> I don't know why there's no correlation there. What, like nobody's explained to me why that wouldn't be the case. Well, I mean, I think there is correlation there because we have what we call the general medical term is is metabolic syndrome, and all of these things tend to be connected. Now, my my sort of stance on this is that we we all have something which is our genetic weak link. Everyone has a weak link. Now, in me yeah. and my family, it's heart disease. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. If I, if I yeah. go from anything, it's going to be heart disease. So I, I think they're all connected in the sense that all of, all of our systems, if, if something degrades, they're all degrading at the same time. It's just they might not show it because we're genetically stronger in that one area. But make right. no mistake, some of the stuff that we do with regards to bodybuilding, bulking and all that kind of stuff, it's not healthy. And ultimately, what's going to break is going to be our genetic weak link. So you see these bodybuilders who, some of them have liver problems, some of them have kidney problems, some of them have right, heart problems. Right. It's all your genetic weak link, so it is related in a sense. It's just general level of unhealthiness. Yeah, right. So... Yeah. So more or less, sorry, I'm making coffee. I need two cups these days. Um, generally when I, when I moved into this apartment, um, I just started eating very, very Spartan, basically chicken and rice, beef and rice. Uh, I do have a granola with yogurt meal, which is my treat. And I'll have a little something like, like toast with honey around training. Um, you know, whatever, if it's a little bit of candy or something. And then, one to two days a week, I'll eat some junk food. And um, just this past weekend, I had my first day where I just ate whatever I wanted the whole day. And then when I recited it off, I realized it was like not that much food at all. I, I had just been used to not eating that much. So like I was like, oh, I, I ate pretty bad. I had a bagel. Then what did I do? I waited. Like I ate the rest of my daughter's cereal, which was like a third of a fucking bowl of cereal. It was nothing. And then I played with them for a while. And then it was like, had some mcdonald's but all i had was a burger and some fries and a couple of chicken nuggets it was like i didn't have anything else uh i ate a pop tart that was left on the table and then i had a bagel egg sandwich that i made at night and a bowl of ice cream with my kids and that's all i ate the entire day so it was not very much food it was just whatever i felt like eating yeah um and I don't do that very often, but mostly because I pay for it in the toilet. But uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the next day was rough. But like that, that was on uh, what day is it today? I don't fucking know. Thursday. Thursday yeah. That was on that was on Sunday, and I'm now I'm at my lowest weight again. So yeah, I've, I've yeah. So by by this coming Sunday, I'll be down by two pounds from the week before, and I can do it again. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So I just yeah. wanted to conclude that bit about the keto as well, just for the viewers. So you you lost weight by all 
medical uh, means, we know that losing weight is a prime determinant of people getting healthy or not. Like healthier, losing weight generally should get people healthier. So you lost weight, yeah. but because it was on keto, it actually made the blood work worse. And when you regain the weight on a regular diet, the blood work actually normalized. So it's a definite yeah. nail in the coffin for keto. And that is supported by latest research on keto. I think there was a good piece done by Menno Hanselmans. And he looked at the uh, effect of blood work on keto. And his experience was exactly the same as what you're describing. So Yeah. And I, I think it's, I don't think everybody has that same reaction, but I think there's more people that are, are having it than, and don't do blood work and don't realize it. I believe um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, that's probably where, where the, uh, the lack of information comes in because the vast majority of people don't do blood work. And if they do, they're doing it through their primary and the primary is really not telling them anything. Yeah, well, this is the thing. It's sort of like people will jump on these bandwagons like keto and fasting. And it's, I don't equate keto with fasting. I think they are different metabolically. I think, I think fasting can be a little bit better. But for the most part, they'll jump on them. They'll feel, they'll feel better temporarily because you, you take somebody who's eating like five or 600 grams of sugar and shit per yeah. day and you pull them back. They automatically, they're going to feel better because their body isn't under constant attack from just shit food all the time. So then they sort of equate the keto with you know or the fasting with being excellent yeah but in fact yeah. it's just a not eating shit um right, not, saying, right, not, right. Saying, not saying that's what we, what it was in your case but just as a general point to people who kind of obsess about carbs and keto like you know like you've said just a more of a balanced diet tends to be better i think that there's one and probably only one use for fasting and that is to repair your digestive tract yeah. um you know a 36 hour fast is just about long enough for your intestine to start repairing itself mm -hmm. and uh and you can clear out so i've had a couple guys uh, i have one right now who's had a year and a half battle with an unknown whether it's heat differential or if it's colitis we don't know nobody's being, been able to diagnose it and so we have great success dieting his body accepts it he gets very very ripped and then the first month after that he looks crazy good when he's when he's growing and then he hits a wall where he can't digest. He's on the toilet all day, no matter what the diet is, whether it's keto or anything else, it makes no difference. Um, and really what it comes down to is food volume. And so what we started doing was first we started fasting for 36 hours every other week. And then, and that, that caused a dramatic improvement. And then we started doing it every week for 24 hours to see if there was a difference and he continued to improve. So it's part of our regimen now. And it, it, he, he's unable to get quite as heavy as he was but he's leaner yeah. and he's digesting um and he's growing I'm, so I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of fasting as well i mean i i did that pretty much for about a year i did fasted for one day a week coming out of my 2018 competition mainly right. because of the digestive issues you know what it's like when your stomachs are that shrunk from doing a competition prep adding yep. the food back in was a real it was really problemsome so we we kind of came to a compromise yeah. where i would fast on a sunday and it worked beautifully i loved it I actually, I, think it, I actually think it affords some quite good health benefits as well. Yeah. I had a client once who um, I worked with him for a few years. We, we went from pretty, uh, pretty slim to, to a heavyweight and uh, what had worked for him. And I, I don't do this with anyone really, but it worked really well for him was insulin with every meal. Mm -hmm. And he just, he just exploded with when he would, he would be able to eat very clean and a lot of food and he, his stomach stayed extremely tight and he just got bigger and bigger. And towards the end of when we were working together, he was starting to get concerned about his uh, his glucose levels and he didn't know how to stop using insulin or stop doing what he was doing and back and back out and not have, you know, 
uh, uh, problems start to escalate. So he settled on fasting as the solution. And at the time, I didn't really agree with it because I thought we needed to kind of revamp and start over yeah. versus just fasting. And the reason for that is because he, at the end of the day, he ended up eating the same amount of food in, in a short window. Yes. It, 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 it didn't make sense to me that it would cause a long-term shift in, in lower blood glucose. Uh, especially because he was, you know, not doing a whole lot different other than cutting out six hours a day that he was eating. Um, he still swears by it. We have, we differ. I think there was a, probably a better way of going, but I don't know if he still does it that way either. I don't, I'm not sure. But, uh, for me, I think that it would have made more sense to, um, fast for the 36 hours. Yes. One, every, one day a week rather than. Every yeah, day. yeah. Yeah. I agree right. with that as well. Yeah. That's my preferred approach. I and think, then, I think it's also, then, yeah. Sorry, Karen. And then scale back on the insulin use because yeah. I, I don't really, I don't really love talking about it, but we were doing like, uh, 10 to 15 units per meal. Mm -hmm. So it was quite a bit. Um, and again, I don't do it with anybody. Like no, nobody else has this protocol. It was completely individual to him and he, and he, he responded great on it and most people will not, they will have problems. Um, I mean, the only other guy I know who does something similar is Joe, Joe Jeffries, who is, I actually don't know what Joe's doing, but yeah, yeah he, might, he, might he, he has, he's quite a fan of fasting and also he's, he obviously he loves his slim as well. Um, yeah. so I'm pretty sure he's does similar protocols. <laughs> Reading Joe's stuff makes my head spin. <laughs> <laughs> it's very complicated. <laughs> I, I read it and I go, what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I know. Okay. You know, you know I that consult, the, I consulted with him once. We had we had a phone consult, and I was yeah. like, I was like, dude, I don't know, I don't know if you want to work with me because I'll simplify the shit out of everything. And I don't know <laughs> if you're gonna be able to handle that. Yeah. He's like, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a great guy, like on a personal level. But yeah, I mean, sometimes I don't know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> I don't even. He's he's rattling off studies, and I'm looking at it going, "Good for you, buddy." Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, but he I, he gets good results with his clients. So fair play to him. So. Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, there's there's many many ways to go. I was talking to an IFBB pro uh, yesterday. We had a conversation, and he was talking about being unsure about prep, which were, which is one of the things we're going to touch on. Mm -hmm. um, being unsure about prep because he's 12 weeks out of the, uh, of the uh, Boston show, which now might be moved in the New York yeah, pro got moved. Who knows, right? Right. And he's, and he's basically like, do I get ready for the show or do I, what do I do? And, you know, um, we were talking about protocol and I was talking about chainsaw cause they know each other. And, and I said, you know, a lot of people wouldn't believe that we don't really put anything in um that's harsh until like the last six to eight weeks like there's really nothing in there but test mass yeah i mean there's really no need for it until that point right well i don't think so but it's not normal a yeah, lot of guys are, yeah a lot of, a lot of guys are loaded up like, from 16 weeks out yeah no he's he's like i know guys that are on dmp and clad and t3 yeah. from like 16 weeks out and they're using trend and they're using this and that like we don't even use t3 yeah. you know we use it if we have to, if the metabolism suffers, but other than that, no, you know, like it, and, and so he was, you know, that's, that's what he was talking about is like a lot of people don't realize that the consistency and the time uh, has so much more to do with it. And we used to hear that when we were young and when the pros would say it, we were like, fuck off, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the secret? <laughs> you don't look like that for being consistent, but the truth is they, they do. Yeah. I mean, Sure, there's a lot of testosterone. Like they're not taking 400 milligrams, like they're saying, mm. but 
they're also probably just like cycling in primo, cycling in trend. It's like, you know, just keeping the test as a baseline or moving it around slightly. Some of the guys like Deca. So they're probably not doing anything too fancy. And, you know, depending on the size of the guy and the, and the genetics, they're doing anywhere from like 1,500 milligrams to 3,000 most of the time. Mm-hmm. And that's a fucking huge pro. Yeah. So um, if you're a middleweight competitor, you could probably get away with doing like 800 to 1,200 milligrams for most of your prep, you know, and total, total gear use, no orals, you know, very little fat burners and, and then put the stuff in at the end and, and, and you start to really look fucking good and be the same weight right at the end. And that's, you know, that's, that's kind of the, it's not a secret, but that's kind of the method. So, you know, when I see really complicated stuff, I go, your body's not going to assimilate that the way you think it does on paper. I just don't see it happening. I think you just, your body's just going to get very, very convoluted and maybe sick and overloaded. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. Uh, I, I was just about to, to say as well, having looked at um, Chris's posts, you know, chainsaw, the level of consistency is amazing there. I love that. He, he detailed um, what a typical day of eating uh, about a week or so ago. And I, I just commented underneath, like, this is the stuff that people won't do. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's like you're saying, you know, it's, it's a lot of it is that day in, day out hard work. Yeah, I mean, I got I got guys that are. I posted Austin Ragland yesterday. He he's working from home home gym, and and he called me the other day, and he's like, "Are you ready to do this prep? Like, are you are you ready to do this?" And I'm like, "Dude, are you?" And he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm, fucking, I'm good. Like, let's go." Yeah. So like, there's some guys like that. Uh, uh, Joe Major, who I did his first show last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he, we were talked like ten days out. He's like, "Am I supposed to be hungry or be in pain because I don't feel it?" <laughs> you know. And I'm like, and his blood work was pristine, and he was just like, he looked great. You know, he looked great, and everything was just superb. Fine. Yeah. He's like, is this is this supposed to be really hard? And I'm like, I can be, but I think <laughs> for some people, they're like, like chainsaw will will take a extreme level of pay, pain and not say anything and and just continue moving. Maybe Joe doesn't feel very very much pain. Maybe he's tolerant to pain. I think um, I think Joe said he was doing quite a lot of activity as well. He seemed to be on that neat bandwagon, you know. Yeah. And then somebody like Austin who did a couple shows and then we did a couple shows together, um, started seeing improvements and then saw Luca, uh, have crazy growth a year and a half ago and, and said to me like, I want to have a Luca off season. And I was like, well, then you better train like Luca, you know? And he took that to heart instead of, he was like, up until then he was like, I'm very weak. I don't understand it. Like my wife lifts more than me in some lifts. He's like, I really, I'm really not very strong. I try my hardest, but I'm not very strong. Um, you know, like I look like I'm stronger than I am. Everyone thinks I'm, I'm buff and whatever. And he's like, and I feel weak. And so I was like, well, your training has to improve. You're, you're doing something lazy or you're just, you're just, you know, you're not really focusing where you need to. So he ended up hiring a personal trainer and we went over some of the tenets of what we thought was important together. And then he went and applied it with the trainer and sent me videos. And and he went from really, really not training very hard to extremely hard training, like kind of Dorian Yates style training. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the, the results are undeniable. Like it's, it's undeniable. Some people need that push. And he's, he said to me, I want that off season. And he meant it. A lot of people say it and they just, they want it, but they don't want to do the thing that you have to do. Absolutely. You know? So when this quarantine happened, he was like, well, 
I just went and picked up a bunch of weights from my uncle and I'm doing it at home and here's the videos of me doing it <laughs> and tell me what you think I should do different. And I started making a training PDF, uh, at home training PDF that I was giving to my clients. So I'll, I'll write another one for this week. We're just kind of giving people guidelines of stuff they can do. Fill a fucking water, water gallon of water with sand. If you want a 12 pound yeah, yeah. dumbbell, you know, stuff like that. And, so some people are like, sure. And they go outside and they, they fill it with sand or they find some pennies and make a 44 pound dumbbell. It's like some people just do it. And other people are like, ah, yeah, I don't know. I'll use bands, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I've, I've sort of definitely experienced a, a wide variety in response. Cause I think the program that I've put together for my clients is pretty comprehensive. I've given them um, a list of a, sort of a, drop down click menu of variety of different exercises they can do so it opens up a wide range of things they can do to formulate a training blocks i organize my training into blocks uh, and it, it means they're given that same level of of consistency as they had prior to this whole quarantine happening but the response to that is definitely different so some people need that gym atmosphere some people yeah. or some people just find the unknown or the the new to be quite unnerving there's quite a lot of psychological play at work yeah. i think there is. There's, you know, it's a lot of it has to do with your own um, psychology, personality, um, your station in life, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like some people are, are a lot more privileged than they realize, and it's not as important to them as maybe they say it is or they think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other people might be fairly privileged and have a chip on their shoulder still. <laughs> um, and they, they want to prove something to themselves or to others. And so I don't think that there's anything wrong with either thing. Look, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with not being quite as into it as you thought you were and, and finding other things that motivate you or, or fulfill you. Um, I, like, I really don't. I, don't. I used to be like, oh, you're a fucking pussy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, now, now that I'm 42, I'm like, you know, maybe they want to like brush up on their chess game. Maybe they really fucking enjoy chess and this is a good time for it. Maybe they want to play online poker. Maybe they want to um, do some calisthenics and walk with their family outside. And that's, that's going to be the time well spent for them. Um, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm, bodybuilding I'm, isn't like their focus. So. I'm, si- I'm similar in that respect. I think I would have been a much worse coach about 15 years ago because I was that single-minded towards, and I just expected everybody else to be the same. <laughs> so yeah. not, not the healthiest approach. <laughs> well, part of it is they come to you for a result and then you're like, here's what you got to do for the result. And they're like, yeah, that's, that sucks. I'm not doing that. And you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. You know? So sometimes I can, I can shift my focus to help them towards the thing that they really did, did want in the first place and they didn't ask for, but they did want. And sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm able to do that. And other times, uh, I find myself to be no longer a good fit for them because maybe they're just not quite sure what they want and they keep changing and I'm not really improving anything for them. Um, I'm just giving them protocols that are taking me time and their money and then they're going, that's really great. And I've had a lot of those people that keep coming back over and over and over and they keep coming back and they're like, okay, I'm ready now. And I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) Are you, are you sure? And they're like, yes. I'm like, I've always wanted to do this, this, and that. And then three weeks in, they're like, they're like, I'm at a festival with my friends, and I'm never coming back. Oh God, yeah, I've, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> and yep. I'm like, okay, see you in three months. Yep. So, you know, it's everybody's different, but um, yeah, sometimes I'm successful in in helping them, you know, change their focus towards something else, or become fulfilled, or get to their goal that they said they were going to be uh, pursuing. Uh, and in these times, 
I find that it it's it's like shining a light on people mm. uh, and the ones who were more clear in their vision are rising and the rest of them are finding other directions and that's that's kind of what's happening now yeah and that's and that's okay that's it so i uh so we, we've talked about client motivation variability i wanted to talk a bit more about specifics now and kind of quiz you on this so sure. i've got a couple of questions here one is kind of more a little bit more gen pop and one is more for competitors so if you start with a more gen pop one how do you think people should be approaching home training under these given circumstances um well it's obvious that that answer has to depend on what their goals are are you do you mean if they're a competitor yeah so perhaps we should talk let, let's seeing as you, we've got you on let's talk about competitors just just okay. competitors then for now all right so my stance as of four days ago was wait and see mm-hmm. um i got online and, and i actually i've been making videos of myself talking and sending them to my clients um maybe they need to see somebody <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i've been doing the same thing actually yeah <laughs> yeah i just i just talk about something and i, and I send yeah. them over like hey, here here's a face talking at you um <laughs> but what i've told people is we're, we're totally unsure of what the competition season is going to look like um if you are less than 12 weeks out you're probably not doing your show in 12 weeks so we need to adjust your program towards uh, being able to be ready maybe at 16, maybe at 20. Um, my feeling right now, and I think this was one of the questions, I'm just going to jump the gun on it because it's, it, it's corollary to this, yeah, sure. is, uh, is my feeling is they're going to lump MPC and IFBB shows are going to lump in August, September, October, and the Olympia will probably be moved to November and uh, Nationals will probably be moved to late November, something in that range. Mm. So I feel like they're going to try to get as many of those shows in as they can. Um, they're probably going to lose a few. There's definitely going to be a lot of regional shows canceled completely, but there's going to be pro qualifiers. Uh, there's going to be regional qualifiers, pro qualifiers, and there's going to be pro level shows that are much more stacked on top of each other. You might even see some on the same weekend um, from probably from August on. And that's being optimistic that we actually get a handle on this by, you know, May. Um which I'm not entirely convinced of. No, not hopeful on that, no. No, I mean, and what I mean by handle is, like, our entire country has hit the peak and it's going down. I don't see that to be the case. Hmm. Um, I think that the East Coast might be on the other side of it by June, mm-hmm. June, July. Um, and you might be able to see East Coast shows in August, September. I don't think you're going to see the Olympia in Vegas in September. I don't think you're going to see anything on the West Coast happening until later in the year. So they're either going to have to move the venue or they're going to have to make it later. I don't think they're going to cancel it. Um, and that's unless there's like a mutation or some sort of change in this uh, virus where people start getting reinfected or worse infected or it becomes more infectious, uh, which we haven't seen yet, but it seems to be kind of ripping yeah. through and then, and then dying down. The other thing is I, I don't believe China's numbers whatsoever. I think, yeah, I think what I think what is offers a glimmer of hope is how South Korea have handled things. So sure. I, I used to live in South Korea, still have friends over there, and we we kind of talk. And uh, from what I know, the government pretty much immediately sent out tests, and we're testing everyone on the scale of something like it was ridiculous. There's the scale that the UK want to test, they were actually doing it from the first week. They've gotcha. already they've already managed to flatten the curve. 
uh, and their their numbers are declining. So they've already got it under control. The, the biggest issue that we had here at the UK, at least, was that we just we just firstly we just refused to ignore the issue. We we refused to acknowledge it's a problem, and then secondly, we just we're still not testing people. Right. Um, well, we also don't yet have an antigen testing where we can tell if somebody's had it. Hmm. So that hasn't that hasn't come. If that if that uh, develops and we can test everybody for whether they've had it or not, you might see some some relaxed attitudes. Yeah. Um, not relaxed attitudes, but you might see some like lifting of the of the sanctions based on like the the amount of population that has had it already. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, if it, seeing as the tests are being, I mean, I don't know the situation in the US, but seeing in the UK, tests are being rolled out a lot later than they really should be. So it yes, may, it, it, is it, yeah, so it may well have to be a case of let's have tests. Everything's being the, done two weeks too late. Exactly. Two um, weeks too late. And, and two weeks is a long, is a long time in this kind of thing. But, you yeah. might as well not even do it. Exactly. This is what I'm saying. So you may well, you may well need the tests which show whether people have had it, not whether people well, have like got our numbers, it. Our, our numbers in Massachusetts, I'm going by Massachusetts because I can see them every day. Mm-hmm. Um, the numbers by Massachusetts show that like the rate of infection is doubling every day and a half. Mm. It's like really fast. Um, but what it's not showing is how many people have cleared through and gone home. Mm-hmm. It's, it's showing like how many people are in the hospital, how many people are under review and how many people are, are past it. But there's the under review is the vast majority of the people in those numbers. Yeah. So it's like if there's 7,000 cases, which 7,700 yesterday was, that was the number and it was like 4,400 two days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if there's 7,700 cases as of yesterday, it was like 4,500 of them or more were, were in review. And then there was like 500 hospitalized and then, uh, the rest were home or deceased, which was 112. Now, the thing I don't understand is that they're saying morgues are overflowing with bodies and they're setting up clinics and hospitals at universities. Um, the numbers don't make sense to me that there's only so many people being treated for it, but most of them are at home. And mm. I mean, I, I can provide some light on that because I'm, I'm on the uh, the WHO website right now. Just I'm going to bring up the numbers for America, and I'll bring up the numbers for the UK just after that as well. So okay. this is this is the numbers of the last 24 hours. So in the last 24 hours across the entire US, there were 22,559 cases identified in just yes. the last 24 hours, and of those, 452. Uh, were deceased, unfortunately deceased. So if we if we do a sort of a percentage of that, but, but that's not of the new ones. That's four hundred fifty two deceased. No, that's that, that no, four hundred fifty two of the last twenty four hours. Yes, but that's not of the twenty two thousand new cases. Four hundred of them didn't die. It was four hundred of them that were already diagnosed. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it gives it gives us a reasonable proxy. I think if we're looking at yes. twenty four hour time period, I think I think we're all pretty much at three percent. Like definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just I think it's all the same. Now, there's also the fact that there's probably a huge number of people that never got tested and didn't die. Yeah. Oh, of course. That's, that's definitely true in America. Do you know how many, people, anyway. how many people, myself included, got really sick and that I've talked to and just got through it? Like, even Chainsaw, we were talking about it last year during his prep. He's like, his symptoms were difficulty breathing, pain in his lung, um, fever, and uh, a cough and a drive like he definitely could have had COVID nineteen. Yeah, well before, well that before is, anybody that, else knew. That is one of the theories which is going around, and I, I mean, I just just speaking for myself, I noticed that I did have two particularly bad um, bouts with with flu this year, and I normally 
maximum get one. Well, but any. Hayden has long had but, but, the, 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 but the thing is that at the moment, that's all very much speculation until we get the test. Sure. That's the unfortunate sure. thing. It would be good to have those tests. Right. So he could take an antigen test and it would say, yeah, yeah. you've had it. Right. You know, and we could, within a fair amount of reason, figure out when that was. Yeah. But, but that's not the case. So anyway, the, the numbers tell you something, but they don't tell you enough. And the response to the, to the thing is very strange to me. Like the way that we shut everybody's businesses down, but still allow everybody to go interact doesn't make any sense. Just keep the businesses open. If that's the case. Just run, just run the um, numbers on that. We're going to, we're going to crash the global economy. And I, I like the old conspiracists in me goes, well, if this is, if that was your goal, this is how you do it. You know, like, I I just kind of go like, this would be the playbook, right? Yeah, I just found uh, the numbers on the infection versus death rate. In America, in America, over the last 24 hours, at least, if we take those as proxy numbers, it's roughly 2%. In uh, England, in the UK, altogether, it's 12%. It's not, it's not a very good rate. You're at 12% death rate? Yep, out of, the tw- out of the total new confirmed cases over the last 24 hours. So, whereas America... No, 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 that's, that's, not, that's not accurate. You don't want to look at the, the new cases versus the death rate. You want to look at the total cases. Because the, you're, you're I, looking at how many people total have been infected and died. I'm not sure that would be any more accurate, though. Sure it would, because the people who are just infected might die later. Yeah, you're but you're looking at the total of it, not, not just the new people. Anyway, <laughs> what no, I noticed they're, is... They're, they're both, they're bo- but they're both numbers for the last 24 hours, you see? And it gives us a reasonable percentage, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. But yeah. there's, there could be an increase, there could be a hockey stick increase in people being infected... And not yet seeing the deaths from that. Could from yeah, that. Could, could be, could be. As I say, the, the numbers seem to be relatively consistent now. For yeah, okay. Overall, anyway, it seems about. 70. I noticed that. I noticed that Germans aren't dying. They're like fucking strong. They're a bunch of terminators. <laughs> um, there's like they have the lowest death rate, and and I noticed that America's decent, but pretty much in line with many countries. And then there's like Italy, and I think it was Spain were horrible, like really bad. Yeah, um, Italy really bad, Spain really bad. Um, yeah. After that is France, and after that is us, UK. I guess it's just a, a lot of an older Europe. population. Yeah, just yeah. Europe, yeah. I mean, after that, you've got places like uh, Iran. Um, we all die way earlier than that, so, mm. you know, Europeans, you guys live to, to be 65 <laughs> to 80. So well, that, you can, they, they do say that's the problem with the, with the Italians, is there's a lot of yeah, very, very old. The problem people. is they're living too long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we... We just work until we die over here. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, I don't really know where we were going with that, but that's the 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 death rate thing seems to be about three percent worldwide. Um, you know, which is enough to scare people, especially with something being really infectious and and no no real treatment happening. Um, but yeah, so the competition season, I see it being stacked towards the end of the year if it happens at all. Um, and I do think it will. I think that we'll get a handle on it. I don't think that it, it'll get to a point where everybody really does stay home. If it's like another four weeks where things are getting worse, you know, nobody will want to go anywhere anymore. Yeah, I think so. I, I, it's, it's hard to see when this is all going to be over. We can sort of try and predict and you know, how people are going, how we're going to flatten the curve, which is, I guess that's where the conversation got into the death rates and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah. let's, if we, if we talk about, Let's let's sort of leave that as an unknown because we don't really know. Let's talk about yeah. How, no, we, we can talk on that for let's, days. Let's yeah. talk about yeah. Let's talk about how home training should be approached. Okay. Um, to me, I think you should do a push pull legs schedule. 
Um, I'm not usually an advocate of it. I'm on it now. Luckily I have um, a private gym access so I can still train. Um, but I'm only able to train a couple days a week. So I'm doing push pull legs and it's actually quite brutal. Um, to do it at home. Um, if you don't have any weights at all, you need to make some implements to be able to do some movements like, um, like sissy squats or, um, squats with your back against a wall with a roller on your back. Um, you can do, you can wrap a towel around, uh, a pole or a, or a tree or something and, and do sissy squats that way and, and kind of hold something to your chest. So there's ways that you can create tension. Um, my PDF focuses on a lot of MTUT training, um, unilateral MTUT, MTUT training. And what I'm doing is, is creating basically a every other day weight training schedule with activity on core work and getting outside and moving around on the other days. Um, so that's the specifics of how I'm looking at doing it. I, I tell people how to create weights out of, you know, like I said, you can take a, a gallon jug or a three gallon jug or a five gallon jug and fill it with stuff and you can create different implements to, to use as weights. Mm -hmm. um, I'm finding a lot of people know people with weights in their basement and they're going and picking them up and they're, and they're, uh, they're able to fashion dumbbells, barbells. Some of them have benches. Some of them even have pull down machines, but there's enough there to do um, almost everything except for like most people can't do pull down. So they have to do pull ups um, and you can use bands to make that easier on yourself or you can have a partner help you. Um, but you can pretty much do a full body training workout. I would say to within 75 or 80% of the full um, value or effic efficacy, that's a word I can never say, of, of a gym training session. So like, it just takes a little bit more setup and um, determination to get through. Like, you don't have a hip sled, you know, you can't really do a, a, a hack squat or a leg press. So you're not going to be able to load up plates and get a really heavy load. Um, you might be able to squat. You probably, if you don't have the weights, then you can do some sort of a squat where you can create angles and difficulty where, you're getting muscle tissue breakdown and that's really the goal, right? You can do, you can do Bulgarians, you can do um, pistols, you can do lots of different variations that maybe you haven't done before. And probably for a few weeks will create a lot of new stress in your body. Um, and hopefully that's the only time we need is, you know, four to six weeks to. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've definitely been promoting the use of sort of harder variations combined yeah, yeah, for sure. with like household weights you know like like you say water bottles with bands if they have them but it's definitely i've always fair bit yeah, I've, to do. I've always told people like if the if the movement's really sucky and hard and it puts you in a compromising position not not in terms of injury but in terms of like uh comfort you know and and it's difficult like if you if you really get crushed by that movement because of because of the difficulty of it it's probably the best one for you yeah. So if you can find ways to create shit ass movements that you hate fucking doing cause they're hard, then you're probably going to benefit. Here's a, here's a question for you just to piggyback off that. Uh, some people have made the case that you should be able to maintain most of your muscle mass during these times. Other people seem to be taking that one step ahead and going, actually, you know what? We're going to gain muscle mass during this approach. What are your thoughts on that? Honestly, like, do you, I think that depends on how big you are. Yeah. I think if you're like a beginner or intermediate, you can still progress. I think if you're advanced or pro level, you're going to have a very hard time progressing. Um, but you can, to a high degree, maintain. I mean, I've, I'm not pro level, but I'm, I'm an advanced trainer and I've trained for many years. And I can take 
months off and come back and start training with 50% intensity and start to see pretty much the physique I've had before developed back. So to say that in six weeks, you're going to fall apart. You'd, you'd have to be one of those guys that's, you know, completely all drugs and, you know, for that to happen. Um, so I find, I just find it, I find it a bit of a stretch when, People are saying, well, you know, you should be able to carry on making gains if you're already quite advanced. That if you're, quite a, if you're a national well. level competitor or yeah. a regional winner, it's going to be a hard, hard thing to go and improve right now if you don't have the basics of a gym setup. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a barbell, you know, if you have a barbell, a bench, dumbbells, and some bands, you probably can fashion a workout that's harder than what, you, what you've been doing in the gym because you're a pussy already. <laughs> on, on that's that, that's that, my real um, feeling. Like, you're note, probably not trying that hard as it was in the gym. On that note, um, there's been a bit of controversy with uh, a Watson gym equipment. If you, I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, but the, the fashion gym equipment is a fairly, fairly big company over here. Um, so anyway, they're selling a package of a one-cable stand, uh-huh. one adjustable bench with no uprights, and about four different pairs of dumbbells. Yep. They're selling that for seven and a half grand US. But nobody's buying that. Come on. <laughs> well, well, um, there was there was quite a few comments under that post. Uh, some of them were a little bit controversial. Well, I, I don't understand who's buying it because who's working? Yeah, I have no idea. Six grand uh, British. They've actually taken off some of the comments, which were a bit more controversial. It looks like they've deleted them. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I mean, look. They, they they're, they're they basically to capitalize on something. I get it, but you know, they uh yeah, there was a comment of somebody saying they no, there's no way anybody could afford that, and they they replied with something like um maybe for you the Argos line is still open something like that, <laughs> which yeah. uh, is kind of funny, but at the same time it's a really really shit thing to say at times like this. I think it's maybe for uh, you it's pretty funny. It's yeah, pretty funny, but it's not not necessarily. It's the not you want. exactly yeah, not necessarily the best. So I think a lot of people are are quite pissed off with them, but I just wanted to that out there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do feel like basically you can maintain your muscle mass. You just have to really fucking work at it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and why shouldn't you? Why, sh- what the fuck else are you doing right now? Right. Exactly. You know? So, and that's where we get back to like, you know, what fulfills you because if that's not making you feel like I feel drastically better after I train every day, Yeah. especially now especially now totally yesterday yesterday we were having a tough day uh we had a lot of stresses you know works work and financial stuff is just being it, there's so many unknowns and i don't make any money whatsoever if my businesses don't run mm-hmm. so and my bills don't stop coming in you know so i get financially I'm, I'm getting stressed about like i have enough money to go for several months but i don't want to have to spend it mm-hmm. you know i don't want to run through my savings just be, just if i can get through this thing so I got really stressed out and then we got to the gym and thankfully it's closed. It's private. There's, you know, I'm very lucky. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that everybody has that, but, uh, after the session, it was like, thank God. I didn't have, like, I was so much better, you know? So if you're home and you're feeling any sort of that, that thing to exert yourself as hard as you can would be probably one of the most therapeutic things you could be doing. So it's really important in my mind to include that um, and, and to be disciplined about it. And that's why I've said on my story yesterday, I want everybody checking in two to three times a week. It's like, they're like, well, I'm not getting any better. 
And I'm like, yeah, but you'll be checking in and you'll be talking to somebody about it. Maybe it'll get on your mind. And maybe you'll just decide to train today instead of not, you know, and that's, that's the whole point to me. Like maybe you won't get better, but maybe you'll stay the same. Maybe you'll feel better. You know, that's my goal. Well, that's it. I think, I think I've, I've sort of been checking in on my clients a lot uh, more frequently just, just to make sure everything's all right. It's still kind of, yeah. part of, part of it is mentally making sure they're okay, but also part of it is making sure that motivation is still there. You know? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really um, important part of what we're doing right now is to, is to make sure that people are mentally okay. You know, our, you should care about your client's mental and physical health. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of mental dead space with people, you know, like we were talking about keeping themselves busy, motivation, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. um, that can be filled with doubts and then you can spiral downwards. So just trying to keep people on track is, is quite important, really. Hey, do you, do you have like a group Discord chat or anything? We, we have a, a sort of a team, team uh, a private uh, group on Facebook. I had that and I, yeah. I did it for a long time, but it, I stopped liking Facebook's format. Yes. So I was, I was thinking about starting it back up on Discord just so everybody could kind of interact a little bit. Discord's uh, great. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't used it, and I, I just thought about it yesterday. I was like, you know, I really ought to do this. And so I have, I have a way of internalizing a lot of things myself where I don't reach out to people, and I feel like a lot of other people are the same way. And I, I'd rather have a means for everybody to kind of check in, yeah. even if it's for a few minutes, and see everybody else and go, oh, hey, guys, what's going on, you know? So I, I think I'll set that up today. Yeah, it's a good idea. I think it just gives people an outlet because it's such a strange time. It's so weird. Like we've never had anything like this happen before and everybody's going through it. Um, and yeah. it's, it's very difficult to really know what to do or what to say. It's not like the whole world's going on and we are, it, the issue is us. It's like the whole world is, is, is having the issue, this issue. So it, it's very difficult to really know what to do. So I think certainly leaving some space for people to openly talk about their feelings is a good idea. Right. I think you wanted to ask about the Arnold. I just yeah, that. that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we can do that now. So, let's. Uh, we went. I went through with Joe actually what his opinion was of, of the Arnold and and the places we went through from the top ten. So I quite like to do the same with you because I know you'll have different perspectives on at least a few of them because I remember hearing something like really something. Are we talking? Are we talking about the actual show, like the results? Or are we? Ta- what are we talking about? I'd quite like to talk about the uh, the placings. Okay. Yeah, I'd quite yeah. Like to, so the top placings. Um, so <clears> it's going to bring up the top ten again. Um, All right, let's we, let's start. Do we start at the one spot, or do we let's, start? Let's start. Let's start at ten. Let's start with Mr. Patrick Moore. Uh, I said very vehemently to anyone who would who asked me that he should not have been doing the Arnold well in advance of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he placed at the Olympia and created a huge buzz for himself, it was pretty evident that he wasn't going to be a top guy for a year or two, at least. Mm-hmm. And jumping into the Arnold, which had a crazy lineup. Um, made no sense to me whatsoever. I didn't think he had any time to improve, especially because he's talking about, he's talking about, Oh, it takes time. You got to take time to improve. And he's like, well, you had a three minute off season. (laughs) So I didn't think he was any better. Maybe he was better, but he wasn't drastically better. I didn't think he was better enough to have warranted stepping on stage. Uh, He didn't peak, which didn't help. Um, If he had peaked, maybe he would have been sixth or seventh and maybe he would have felt differently about, you know, everybody would have felt differently about him doing it, but I don't really think that's the goal. I think this is a guy who can be a top three guy. Um, can be, I don't think he will be. I think he can be. Um, why, why don't you think he will be? I don't think he will be because I don't think he'll put on the size that he needs to be uh, competitive. He's, he's not a very tall guy. He's like what? Five, eight, five, nine mm-hmm. um, at best. 
and you know, the only guys that are five, eight and five, nine who have made Olympia runs were like Bonac, uh, Dexter and Jay, Jay's five, nine, but he was so much bigger than everybody. Yeah. Um, Patrick is not as good as Dexter structurally. Um, he's wide, but legs are not there. Uh, he doesn't have his dense back. He's going to have a hard time with the hamstrings and the quads to get to the size that to compete with the top guys. He, he could get there. I think he could get there, but his, the first thing he would have had to do would have been to take an entire year and come back to the Olympia. And then with this happening, I would, if, for, if I were him, I would have shut it down until the next season and come back like, like 10, 12, 15 pounds heavier, probably like 10 pounds for real. Um, would have made a huge difference on him. Yeah. So I just think that he, he missed the mark even doing the show and all. Yeah, that was, that was pretty much my analysis as well. I feel like at some point, despite what he says, he's going to have to play the size game. He's going to have yeah. to really slap some tissue. He's a fucking awesome physique. Yeah, I mean, he's got good lines. I think, I think he, but like you said about the peak as well. So in, in essence, he came in not only soft, but also small, which is a big shame. I mean, he, he hits back-to-back shows. He did back-to-back shows, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Also, uh, oh, what was I just going to say? I forgot <laughs> so, something about him, but, but I just think that uh, he needs to develop over time. I just, I just feel like his approach should be calculated and that was a, that was a mishap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was nine? Who was nine? I don't remember. So number nine, we've got Victor Martinez. Uh, we saw some pretty nasty pictures of his back uh, on the lead up to this. what did you think of him? I thought it was the best Victor in years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's years removed from his absolute best. Um, I think there was periods of time, like I remember when Big Ramy won the first New York Pro that he did. Victor came in much smaller after being imprisoned, mm-hmm. but was n- really, really, really sharp and looked really good. Like if if he ha- had been able to bring in that level of sharpness with this physique, I think he should have been higher. And I also think he might have should have been higher anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he looked really good for him, but he's old. That's the thing. I, I yeah, I pretty much said. I, for me, it was nice to see him on stage, healthy. He's been through a hell of a lot. Yeah, he looks fucking good. He was on it. Yeah, exactly. It was honestly just good to see him up there enjoying himself. I think this will probably be his last show. Um, yeah. But you know, it yeah, was I great think, to see I him because if you look at him in his prime, he was just so phenomenally good. That year, he almost beat Jay. Was so Victor. A- Victor is about my. I, I don't know what, how old he is. What was he? Forty. He's like fifty, I think. He's, he's like 49. So he's, he, yeah. he came up before me, but we were both in New York and I remember him winning the New York shows. I thought he was a lot younger cause he looks really young. Mm, back, then, back then he looked like he was 19 when he was like, like 30. <laughs> um, um, and I also know his cousin. So I used to talk to talk about him a lot with his cousin. And so I knew stuff about him, but uh, I thought that like a few years, the, the year that he got second to Jay that people say he should have won. I feel like, the reason Victor never won and he could have won was his condition. I don't think he ever got quite as hard as he should have until he got older and he was smaller. Yeah. Um, I just think he, he just kind of missed it. And my, my feeling is that he used a lot of insulin in those years and he was just unable to get sharper. Um, yeah. Makes but sense. Yeah. That's just my, my guess. But is, in, in terms of like pure physique, like really one of the best there's been. The only thing I don't like about his physique is he has a giant diaper butt. <laughs> like he really has like he really has like a giant ass and it looks he, weird he kind of he kind of has slightly droopy pecs as well he always had that 
it just looks like when he's walking, it looks like he shit himself. <laughs> he's just got a really big ass. So, All right, so ne- next up was uh, really one of my favorites who I thought should have been in the top six, uh, Max Charles. Yeah, so did you, did you see my story about Max? I didn't actually. What did you say? Oh, God, I have a great story for Max. I'm going to tell you. Go on. So I was, again, on Long Island. I'm going to tell the truncated version. Uh, <laughs> I'm 22, 23 years old. I'm, I'm getting ready to compete. I competed when I was 23. Um, everybody, like we had a lot of, Rich Gasparri used to go to the gym. Uh, Jimmy Pilecki of the Iron Bowl trained there all the time. There's guys in there all the time that were like, knew what they were talking about. And they told me I needed to compete. And I was like, I felt real good about myself. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get up there. You know, Rich was like, you're going to win the show. And I'm like, what? Okay. So um, I'm, I'm, pretty seriously training i'm i'm an animal at that point and uh and so this guy walks in wearing like carhartt overalls timberland boots uh like a thermal long sleeve underneath in like the dead of summer and and plaster or, or paint or something all over him like just just walked off the job site and walked to the gym straps a weight belt on puts four three or four 45 pound plates straps to the weight belt and starts doing chin-ups and just chins, just chins like 45 reps with all this weight hanging off. Him. And I'm watching him and I'm like, as he's chinning up and he stands up, like his, his entire body's swelling. Like he's just getting bigger. bigger. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck? So <laughs> I'm over here guy? doing like, I'm over here doing like lateral raises or something. And I'm like, wow, I feel like such a pussy right now. Just watching him do this. So he does like five or six sets and then T-bar rows like the entire gym. Like, you know, takes all the plates, yep. T-bar rows it, and then walks out. And that's his workout. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what I just saw, but it was just shit. So, <laughs> was so then, like, after a few other sessions, I see this, this dude walk in, and he's, you know, real dark, real big. Hmm. And everyone knows Max, like, the way he kind of flexes in the mirror, like, barely moves and just kind of, like, stares at himself. And like, <laughs> he's, he's in his own zone. And so he was doing that then. This is 2002, 2003. So – He's, he's doing that and he's, and he's fully covered up, but you can see the muscle. So one day I go over to him and I say, uh, what are you taking, man? <laughs> and he's like, he looks at me like he has no clue what I'm saying. And I'm like, come on, you, I'm, come on. And he was like, I, I eat cornstarch. And I was like, what? Okay. And he was just like, he was very, conf- very soft-spoken, very confused at my question. He's like, I, I like, I eat cornstarch after I train or before I train. Like, I guess his uncle told him to do it or something. He's like, all right. So I was like, all right, whatever. Anyway, I see him maybe five times. And then, I don't know, 10, 12 years later, he wins nationals. And I'm looking at the guy and I'm like, I don't really register who he is, but I'm looking at him like, he looks really familiar to me. And then I'm like, I don't know, whatever. And then he does a couple pro shows and I'm sitting there and I, I, I see someone tag him on Instagram and I click on it and I'm looking at him I'm like, this is that fucking guy. So my brain starts doing that Zach Galifianakis like math equation. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm 35 now or 36 at the time. And I'm like, this dude was like 30. So he must be like, I don't fucking know 40 something. Right. So I DM him and I'm like, Hey dude, like, did you used to train at Joe's gym in, in Huntington? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I sent him a picture of me and like back then I was like, do you remember me? He's like, Oh yeah. Hey man, how you doing? I'm like, I'm good, man. Like I go, I got a weird question. How old are you? And he's like, he was like 32 and I'm 36. And I'm like, my math is I was 22. So I'm like, what, wait, what, how, how old were you back then? He's like, I was in high school. And I'm like, (laughs) 
what the fuck? This guy looked like he was 30 fucking years old and he was bigger than everybody in the gym doing stupid fucking exercises with yeah. all the weight in the gym. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. So I saw him at Dev's like a few months after that and I told him the story and he was like, he was laughing. He was like, yeah, you know, some of it's genetics. I'm like, yeah, some of it. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's my max, that's my max child story. Um, I, I, uh, he was I, obviously fucking absolutely shredded. Yeah, he was amazing. He was absolutely amazing. I couldn't keep my eyes off him. Yeah, yeah, he looked fucking great. And to me, I saw your comment on him like, this is O material. I saw mm. that comment that you made. Mm. And I went, eh, gonna disagree. Mm. And the only reason I disagree is he's got no fucking quads. He has, he has no teardrop. He has no outer quad. Mm. And I don't know that he can build it. It's like everything else is there. Mm. Um, and I'm being really honest. Like, I love Max. I think he's a wicked fucking nice guy. I'm just giving you my critique of his physique. Mm. Um, and, and I hope if he does for some weird reason here, this that he doesn't think it's playing <laughs> at all. His physique um, and his physique and his quads remind me of uh, Chris Cormier in his prime. They're no, very, very defined. They're, they're defined, but they just don't have the the volume that they need. That's that's my opinion. I think his teardrops are like are like Juan Morel small, mm-hmm. and I think both of those guys are great bodybuilders, but their legs suck. Mm-hmm. Now, from the side, they're fine. From the back, they're fine. I think from the back, even Max could use a little bit more size in his glutes and hems. But what really bothers me about Max is that I think he puts a ton of oil on his shoulders and triceps, and I don't think it helps his look really. Right, I think okay. it, I think he gets away with it. I think he like he pulls off the look fine, and nobody really complains. But there's you know what it is? It's that, it's that midsection. It just ties everything together. That is yeah, just, it. Just makes just him look, look like that. such a statue. I don't think he needs to do it. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't think he needs to do it to, I think he might be better with much less spot injection and, uh, and bigger quads. But in terms of physique, like the way he's put together, he's like a very solid tier B, tier B bodybuilder. Like he could win pretty much any show that's not, you know, tier one. Um, and his, and his, his presentation and and polish was amazing. Like he looked fucking great. Yeah, he did. So let's, uh, let's look at the next guy. Number seven, Akeem Williams. What do you think of him? So Akeem basically crushes everybody until he turns around. <laughs> um, he, I mean, he's got, he's got like the Orville Burke thick skin. Mm. Um, his front double bicep is like other people should be like, can we not hit the shot next to him? <laughs> yeah, I don't really want to do that. Uh, his, his quads were striated, cross striated. Um, he's shallow in the abs. Like he doesn't have a lot of ab definition. His waist is controlled. It, it looks fine. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs to like he needs to have like blocky like strong abs to really pull his physique together from the front. He's got that sort of narrow. He's got a narrow long waist like Diash's got. He does, but it's also like the abs themselves are just shallow. So when you get mm. really dieted, they kind of flatten out. Yes, definitely. Um, so you, it doesn't really like when you, somebody has really well defined deep abs on stage. Like you, you can't deny that. You just look at it; it just pulls everything together. It's hard to take your eyes off of it. Um, so like. Some of his poses, he could do a better job hitting. Like his front lat spread, he could hit it in a better way to, to highlight his physique. His side poses are stupid. I don't think he has the greatest triceps, but I think he has the, – the, the poses just look crazy. His legs from the side are fucking retarded. They're amazing. Um, yeah. He's, oh, unbelievable. Forearm size is always unbelievable. Just stupid. Just stupid. And then from the back, I find that he has kind of a Paul Dillette back. If people don't remember Paul Dillette, he had like overwhelming shoulders and yeah. – not a lot of back separation or definition and the lats are very high. So it's like, he almost like he's not flexing. Uh, it's just like he hits the shot and you're like, 
when are you going to hit the shot? He does have those very high lats, definitely. Mm. Right, and the, and then he's not carved out as much as from the back as he is from the front. So it's like from the front and side, he's like third. <laughs> from from the back, he's like tenth. It's an interesting you know? comment about it's an interesting comment about his abs because I definitely felt there was something up with his abs. He was either washed out or yeah, go look at it. It was go look at it. I noticed yeah, it like yeah, right away. Totally, totally. But in terms of like development, he's fucking crazy. Yeah huge he looks crazy his arms are like what the fuck are those <laughs> yeah so the next guy uh i was disappointed with uh, the placing here cedric mcmillan i i didn't think he should have been this high but he was sixth place so i've been following cedric in the last six months or so like i never really followed him before on social media but um he's quite an emotional guy i didn't realize he is yeah um he had alluded to having issues with never feeling like he looked very good and having uh, confidence issues, feeling like he's not going to stack up against anyone else. And um, maybe that has to do with not being prepared because he doesn't seem to be prepared very often. Um, maybe it has, maybe he's got an overwhelming workload with the military or a home life or something that's stopping him from really going the extra mile in terms of condition. Um, the few times that he has been super conditioned, he's looked insane. Um, the Arnold that he won against Dallas, I think, was the worst thing that could have happened for him because he beat a really bad Dallas. Yeah. Um, and nobody I'm looking else. at that picture now. Yep. I'm looking at that picture now and Dallas doesn't, didn't look great that show. No, no. And everybody was raving about that. I remember this. I mean, everybody was raving about it. And I was like, yeah, well, he's going to die. I remember saying that guy's going to die. Like he doesn't look good at all, hmm. you know? And I didn't like mean it to be a dick or be prescient about it or anything. I just thought he looked really bad and unhealthy. Hmm. Um, and I didn't think his physique looked good at all. And people were like sending me pictures leading into the show. And I was like, what are you raving about? Cause he's big. Like he doesn't look good. He looks like terrible to me. So Cedric beating him, like maybe in his mind was like a, a career milestone where he could just kind of relax after that. Hmm. And uh, I, I'm guessing because since then he's been like, he seems perfectly fine getting fifth or sixth or seventh. Yeah. He's he seems like he's like, ah, I got a career, you know, people like me, I'm, you know, that's good enough for me. Yeah, he could win everything. Yeah, I mean, he it seems like it's, it does seem like he's got sort of, he feels like he's got a different calling in life. And he's talked about that's, that quite a lot as well. And, that, and that's absolutely fine. I just, and I feel like, why are you competing? Do you have to? Yeah. You know, like, I don't really get it. I don't, you're that good. Just beat everybody. Yeah. You know, he just has, he just hasn't, in my mind, he's like, I don't know. I just don't. I just don't think he puts it together. Yeah, I was. And everyone, I was, I was everyone says the same thing. Yeah. You know, I I feel bad about it because I think there's probably something in him that's like, it doesn't really want to be doing it. It's a it's a big shame because he's got a great physique. He's also got a great personality. I, I like him on a personal level, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, I, it's a massive I, shame I when he's, yeah, totally. he's just not. He's like, I don't want to take selfies. I don't want to promote yeah. this. I don't want to take selfies. I don't. I don't want to. I just want to train. Like I want to. Yeah. I I can relate to that, man. Like. I, I, you know, I hope that it's not a financial thing that keeps him going. Maybe he'll get a fire. Like, I don't know how old he is. He's got to be late thirties, but uh, maybe he'll get a fire in him and, and, and hit a, hit a couple shows at his best and just slaughter people. Cause he could, he definitely could. He's uh, he's 42 apparently. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, let's, go on, let's go on to the next guy, Sergio Olivia Jr. I was very surprised with, with Sergio. I thought he did tremendously well. I've, I've got a picture of here comparing him to Akeem Williams in the same pose and uh, from the 2020 show. And uh, I think he just looked like a sharper, more defined version of Akeem, which is a big compliment. So I, I picked Sergio as a possible winner. Mm. And 
that was not having seen him pose at all. And the reason I did that is because I was at the New York Pro that he beat John De La Rosa at. I walked in for the finals that night. I didn't see the prejudging. And everybody in the room said De La Rosa had the show. Everybody. They were like, I asked. I was like, hey, who's, who's, who's looking good? It's between De La Rosa and Sergio. John's got it. It's pretty clear John's got it. And so they came out. Sergio did his posing routine, and, and the whole fucking place stopped. It was like chills, like chills through the building. And then they came out to compare again, and Sergio started grunting and hitting his chest. He was like, <clears throat> between poses, just fucking exerting some sort of animalistic dominance over John. And, and you saw Delarosa start to shrink. Like you could see it. You could see his face. Like, what's this guy doing? This is New York. This is my place. And Sergio was like, I'm going to eat your fucking face, kid. You know? And, and you just saw John, they were like front double bicep. And Sergio was like, boom. And John's like, okay, we've done this before. Here's the front double bicep. I win the show. Give me the trophy. You know? And Sergio's like, no, motherfucker, I, I got better tonight. Like, you're rejudging me. And they did. And they rejudged it. And he sucked all the air out of the room. He sucked all the air out of the room. And everybody there was like, Sergio won. That was it. <laughs> he fucking destroyed everybody. Anybody that was there will tell you. It was like, it was an experience to watch him win that show. So the reason I picked him was because I think that he has an intangible Arnold-esque confidence and, and, and drive. Um, his father was quite passive in posing. Yeah. He, but he was just kind of like, I'm huge. Chip me. on his shoulder. Mm. He's this kid. This kid's pissed. Yeah, he is. He also talked about like being happy with like top three, top five, you know, this and that. He was like, if Patrick Moore beats me, I'll quit. He was being cocky, <laughs> but also like understanding like I'm not supposed to beat Dexter. He said it right out loud. Yeah. You know, I'm not supposed to beat him, this and that. But something in me was like, if he's improved, to the level that people are saying he has that he'll win the show. So he was a disappointment to me because as soon as he walked out, I was like, Oh, he's really flat. You know, like he's not nearly as big as, as advertised and, and, uh, and comparing to people, I was like, uh, I don't know he's getting lost. I mean, he ended up moving up in placings, but initially I had him at like seventh or eighth. Um, and he ended up at fifth and that's probably what he'll do at every show, by the way, is that if he's not going to win the show or whatever, like if he's, he's going to move up two or three placings in every show he ever does. And that's just because he has fire and he, and he's competitive and he will, he will challenge anybody next to him to beat him. And a lot of people don't want to have that kind of a challenge. They, they're not going to, they're not going to beef. Like remember when Phil and Kai were going at it <laughs> yeah. and, and that neither one those are two alphas that neither one of them are going to let down like that's Sergio. And then the vast majority of everybody else just lets you fucking run over them because they know you, you know, they don't have that, that gene. So, so Sergio's going to have a really fucking good career, I think. Um, what, uh, what, what does Sergio need to do to win the uh, – <clears throat> I, ha- I, picked, I picked him as an Olympia winner in, in the next two to three years. And what he has to do is, is get bigger, retain the lines, and um, continue to pose. Like, I think some of his mandatory poses aren't as good as his free posing routine. Hmm. And I think that he needs to – kind of nail those mandatory poses but he's 32 like bodybuilding so now so bodybuilding now starts at 32 it used to end at 30 now it starts at 32 so he's and and he started like i remember him being like 20 something 22 yeah. and started started competing and looking just you know you, you can see he had the genetics but he was just kind of small and whatever he disappeared and he came back but it seems like he's singularly focused in a way that almost nobody is 
he is he does seem that way and I, what i liked about when he was talking about his his placings and how he would felt he would place there was a level of humility there which was surprisingly yes. refreshing well, to see from Sergio. and that and to me that's a signal of actual true confidence i like that because yeah. that, that made me think so okay, this guy's actually confident now the interesting thing is that after he won nationals or whatever show he won, I think it was nationals, maybe, maybe USA's, I don't remember. He was like, he was a fucking train wreck. He was on social media, like talking shit about his dad, talking shit about the fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. He'd be on Facebook and somebody would say something that wasn't even really like pointed at him. It was just like a, an honest critique. And he would get on and fucking bash the fan. He'd be like, you don't know yep. what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, he did that right up until fairly recently as well, definitely. He's, yeah. he's definitely got that so, chip on his shoulder. He needs to, live to a, sort of put that, put that away. I had a friend and a, and a former client uh, who everybody was watching like a classic physique show. Sergio was like four weeks out of his show. This is last year or the year before. Mm-hmm. I think it was actually before the New York Pro that he won. Anyway, my friend was like, oh, it's between these two guys. And like, everybody was like, I think it was Steve Lazarus and somebody else. It was like everybody was arguing over who should win this classic title because they were apples and oranges. And, um, and so my friend said, it should be this one guy because this, this, and this. And Sergio got on and was like, you don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, and he was like, hey, man. Like my friend was like, hey, um, I don't know why the fuck it matters to you. It's just an opinion. <laughs> like, but, you know, this is what I think. Anyway, the one that my friend said was going to win won the show, and he came back, and we all came back in and just like fucking trashed <laughs> like, everybody. Got him, everybody on the side was like, "Oh, yeah. you must not know what the fuck he's talking about." <laughs> and so right. hates it. He hates so, it. I don't think that's there anymore. Like, I think no, he's kind of moving. Yeah, I think he's it. moving past it, which is, not, and that's good to see. So, moving on to the but next guy. Then he was uh, the biggest little fucking pussy for a while. <laughs> yeah. So. So I, I on, think moving, he's focused now. Moving on to the next guy. We've got a guy who's also very young, but maybe you can explain to me why he got a placing so high because I, I didn't see him in even the top six. Steve Kukla. You know, uh, to, to exp- tell me why I'm wrong because I, I don't rate this guy at all. I don't, like his, I don't like his physique. I don't like his front double bicep. I think his biceps have no definition whatsoever. Right. Yep. Um, I, I think he looks good. I just don't think he looks like much. Mm. It's like... It's very boring. He's very big. It's just a boring physique. And now I have seen pictures. I don't know if they're doctored, but I've seen pictures of him like where he looks extremely conditioned more than I thought he did on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw some tricep, side tricep pictures that I was like, dude. Are, you, are those the ones from Instagram, which you posted about a week or two before? Yeah, probably his own yes. doctor photos. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've also seen some hotel shots. Of him. Like before the Olympia last year, he looked better the night before. Well, funnily, funnily enough about those pictures, when you repost them onto Facebook, they lose a lot of the filter and he looks very average. So I yeah, think it was I, a filter. He, he looks very, very shocking, shockingly good in some of the pictures yeah. that I saw. And then when I saw him on stage, I was like, I don't, I don't really get it. I think it's just a matter of like the guys that he beat were not that good yet is really what it came down to. Yeah, it's like maybe. The, depth of the, competition, the depth of the competition was like the top three. Yeah, maybe. But you look at sort of like the quad sweep and stuff, and you know, going back to Max Charles, I don't see Kukulo's quad sweep being any any better. I see his ab definition being. He has better far, quad far sweep. Has, Kuklo has bigger legs and better quad sweep, better adductors, but he doesn't have any detail on the legs. Mm. He has veins. He doesn't have detail. People confuse vascularity for condition. It's not. Mm. 
Yeah. So that's that's what I think about Kuklo. He's he doesn't have like billowing muscle around the knee. So you might look at his quads and say like, oh, they're not that big. Mm. They are big. They're just not shapely in a way that makes you look at them and, and say, and they're not detailed. That it's means it's, it's also the fact he's five eleven. Like he, he's going to need to probably just be bigger. I don't even know how he's going to do that. Yeah, I know. I don't. It, I don't it, think it, it's it just seems, it seems like there's there's muscle. He, he's he's got the space to put muscle on his frame. He's right, but I don't know that it'll matter. He'll just look like it's like if you take him and make him a ten pound bigger version of himself, he won't be any better. No. no. He needs to get detail. You know, he needs like you need to see a split in the bicep. You need to see like insertion in the lower back. You need to see hamstrings get gnarly. You need to see his quads get dug out. Like if he did all of that, he would look fucking crazy. He would, but then are they rewarding that? They're rewarding more fullness. I don't give a fuck. When, when, I, when it comes to when it comes to fullness, he he kind of he starts looking soft. I don't really care what they're rewarding. I'm saying that that would be a better physique. Mm. Like I don't know, I, a bigger version of him isn't going to win. It's not going to won't be Phil Heath if he at his best. It won't be anybody. You know, it won't be anybody that's there now. So just genetically, know? not going to happen. Unless I don't know that. I, I mean, unless he gets like I said, unless he gets dug out. If yeah. he get if he some guys do. They get older and they start to really fucking get hard. Yeah, I mean, he's only 34. Um, so right. Very young. He's been, he's been bodybuilding for 34 years, too. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's literally started bodybuilding when he was like four. So. All right, so we're going to the top three now. Um, this guy, I thought he did tremendously well. I was a massive fan of him this show. Big Rami. I, I, I got to admit, leading up to the competition, I was thinking he's not going to be in shape. It's going to be the usual story, but he completely blew me away, particularly in the night show. Yeah. Uh, Big, Rami, Big Rami won the show. Um, I don't think there's any debate to it. I don't know why anybody even says anything otherwise, except <laughs> for one thing. The, his lower back had a little bit of squish to it, and his quads still didn't have quite the separation they needed. That being said, he if you took Dexter and Bonac and smashed them into one human, they'd still be half the size of Rami. Yeah. He's so fucking big. <laughs> He's so fucking big that they don't even fucking reward it. They're just like it's crazy, oh, right? Just, it's it's in just, your name. And I'm looking at this picture of him. This is from the night show. He's doing that pose where his his hands are almost behind his back. You know, he has that sort of yeah, muscular with his quads. Just his everything yeah. is there. I, I'm, I'm I posted that up on a forum. I was like, everything's here. I don't see what's missing. What what? Why so, are we not rewarding this? The, they don't reward him because his name is Big Rammy. <laughs> it's like, oh. oh well, we know you're big. <laughs> what else are you? And he's like, now he's got to prove to them that he's ripped Rami, that he's conditioned <laughs> Rami, that he's aesthetic Rami. He's got to be all these other things. Like he's, if you want to nitpick him, his arms are a tiny bit undersized for his physique. Okay. He doesn't have quite the back detail he needs in the lower back. He doesn't have quite the quad detail he needs. His, he could be drier and harder by a little bit. You know, he definitely, yeah. and he will be, and he will be by the way. Um, he's going to get better than this. Working with um, yeah, I think that that's helping. I don't know. I don't know that that's the reason. I think he's just coming into his own now. I, see, I think nice. a lot. A lot of his career was like, like he's getting people from all directions. His, you know, the people that are funding him, everything, are are telling him what to do, and he's he's just now saying like, this is what I got to do. I'm. He's just now becoming comfortable. I think Big Remy is a sweetheart of a human being. I, I get that impression. I think he's like a, a pleaser. He doesn't want to say no to anybody. He doesn't want to like make waves. I think he's also fiercely competitive and very, very embarrassed that he hasn't won. 
Um, yeah. Well, we I, saw the I apology he, he gave for his performance, which was a big yes. shift because yeah, I thought he did great. I think he sincerely feels apologetic that he hasn't won for his yeah. fans and for, him, for his family. Yeah. I, I think that's a, like a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he fucking decimated the show. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Like, is he's he was just too like go look at the comparisons now. He's just too good. He's yeah. too big. No, no I, I agree okay, with you. On okay, that. Bon- yeah. Bonac has a better side leg. Okay, Dexter has a little bit better flow and whatever pose. It doesn't make a difference. Rami's good enough and he's huge and conditioned. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on that. I, I, I definitely had him up front. I don't, I think he, he beat Dexter on the day. I thought Dexter looked amazing. And I'm not, a, I'm not really a big Bonac fan. But uh, if we talk about Dexter a little bit here, how do you feel about his performance in 2020? You're talking Dexter? Dexter, yeah. Okay. Um, so if you go and compare Dexter now to Dexter five years or ten years ago, <laughs> he, he's nothing like he used to be. He, he used to be ext- ex- an extremely fucking round. Uh, uh, like his insertions were so deep and his, his roundness was so fucking pronounced. Um, and his ab, his, his ab shots were way better because he could suck in his abs really hard. Um, so he, he's a shadow of what he used to be. That being said, he's still too good for almost everybody, yep. uh, structurally. And he's got a lot of muscle maturity. Like his back double biceps is, if you look at it against himself, it's not the best version of him, but if you look at it against others, he exposes weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard to put him. I, I mean, I was watching the show with chainsaw we were talking back and forth and I was like at, during the, during the prejudging, I was like, I'm giving this to Dexter. And until I wa- went back and looked at the comparisons, what I always do is I freeze frame, freeze frame the comparisons and look at each one mm-hmm. after watching the show. So in a live play, like I was like, Rami looks a little, little, little under condition to me. And then uh, I'll get into Bonac after, but I thought Dexter edged out Rami. I thought Dexter, Rami, and then Bonac. That's how I had it. And then after the night show, I was like, no, no. No, Rami just destroyed everybody. And after I freeze framed everything, I was like, oh, it's not even close. Rami came back so strong in the night show. So strong. Very, very strong. And then, and then just if you take the time to freeze frame everything and look at the shots, uh, it's pretty undeniable. It's kind of hard to like, it's kind of hard to palette, you know? So, but it, you know, a lot of it is like the judges are watching it in, in real time. I, they probably don't go back to their room and freeze frame everything and look at it. They're getting yeah, an impression based on the way people move, their charisma. Uh, everything they're getting all of that, you know. So I thought Dexter was, as always, extremely professional and polished. He never looks like he's having a hard time posing at all. Yeah, he, he just looks like it's very easy. Mm. He's fifty years old. He doesn't even sweat. He doesn't fucking breathe hard. He doesn't do anything. He just stands there and hits the pose, and everyone else is struggling. And that makes him look like a winner a lot of the time. That's so, true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I had I had him higher than third, mm. but I don't believe that he's anywhere near what he was at his best which is still a fantastic placing for for him considering his careers he's had just um, stupid at 50 phenomenal years old. yeah so just, the just uh, the number one guy was william bonak um yeah. i'm i gotta say i'm not a massive fan of his physique i think he's he's probably got about as much muscle on his frame as he can hold he's about as conditioned as he can get so he's done what he can with his physique i'm just not a big fan of his flow and his proportions i think he's quite blocky yep. He's um, squatty. Yep. Yeah, squatty, right. He's like a he's like a mini squatty Ronnie Coleman. When he first came on the scene, it's a while ago now, because I saw him on Get Big and I haven't been on there in fucking years. But <laughs> when he first came on the scene, I just was like, look at this guy's arms. I remember. I was like, look at this guy's biceps. They're fucking dumb. Like they're just so big. 
And uh, and then he started, like, he was getting, like, sixth, seventh, eighth in regular shows at the time. And then uh, he started improving. And I was like, wow, this guy's got a lot of fucking talent. Like, he's he's really, really sharp and, like, has a lot of muscle. And then I got to the point where you are, where it was like, but is he, like, is he really second in the world? Like, is he really going to win the Arnold? I thought, who did he beat for the Arnold? Curry? Yes, Last he year, did Curry. That's right, that's right. Yeah, and then Curry came back and, yep. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have him beating Curry. Hmm. Um, I didn't have him, like, I don't think he's better than Flex. I don't think he's better than Heath. I don't think he's better than Curry. Yeah. I don't think he's better than Rami. Um, I'm trying to think who else is in there. Who else is like the top echelon of people at this point? That's basically it. Yeah, that's that's basically who's left. Yep. 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 So he's, I, I'd call him like the fifth best guy in the world at this point, I think. Yeah, for sure. And so he, he wins shows based on uh, edging somebody out somehow. I don't really know. It's so just my problem crazy consistency. Yeah, he's consistent. Mm. My problem with him in this show is that it looked like he had one leg that was atrophied over the other. I think his left leg looked smaller than the other. He did have an injury, yes, right. Mm. Yeah, and it was noticeable. I knew nothing about the injury, but I saw, I saw the imbalance, and I also noticed both his both his legs were light mm. um, from the front, and he looked like I don't know, like he was sharp and hard, but he didn't look very big at all, mm. and he just looked like he just looked like third to me. He, he was, he was probably better than I'm trying to go pose by pose. He was probably better than Dexter in the front double, but only because of condition and Dexter getting a little old, not because of shape. Yeah. He's probably equal to him in the front lat spread. I'm not even putting Rami in there because I think Rami beat them both in all of these poses. Yeah. And I think, um, I think if we, if we were to look ahead at sort of the Olympia and put him against some of these people, like, um, like the current champion, Brandon uh, Curry, uh, I, I think structurally there's no chance that Bodak is going to be a Curry at the moment. If Curry's on form, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Curry won't lose to him. Won't lose to him. I, I feel, I feel kind of indifferent and weird about Curry because I don't really think he's like, the quality of a of an Olympia champion mm-hmm. that that I expect, but at the same time, I don't have him losing to any of these guys. Yes. So, like, I think Rami can beat him, but other than I, that, I'd like to see Sergio put on a bit of size and, and give him a run for his money. It's it really sucks to not have Heath Kai Green. Um, Kai Green's obviously been out for years, but like, I still feel like he's top echelon of the bodybuilder that should have been in all these years, vying for the top spot. Mm-hmm. But Heath Kai, Kai Green. Uh, Roden, um, it sucks to not have them present and have other guys be elevated um, just because of their absence. I it don't abso- really like that. It absolutely does. I mean, I, I remember it was the Olympia where Jay won, but Heath was there and Kai was there. And Heath and Kai were just coming into their own, but they both looked fantastic in the individual yeah. shots. But you placed Cutler in the middle of them, and then he, Cutler made them look like little kids. And I thought yeah. that that size, you know, that type of Ronnie type of size, that nasty Yates Cutler type of size and conditioning. It's just who's going to bring that at this stage? There's there's nobody in the current ranks who, um, who are have that quality like Jay and Ronnie had for size and and condition. Now Jay Jay, you could you could argue that Jay from the back is softer than Ronnie. Um, yeah, yeah. He, had, he had better hamstrings for sure, and but his glutes and and, and lower back were squishy a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the front, he was so diced. He was like, you know, like oh, yeah. his, his quad was stupid diced, and and his shoulder width is like Rami like. Yeah. Um, 
he he would just make everybody look really narrow. That's the thing. I mean, if as as you say, if if it's true, as you say, it's you know, and we see Rami continue to improve, that would be a champion worthy of the Olympia. I think you know, the way he's the the size he carries, getting that the slightly thing, the, more mature. The thing that's weird about Rami is that if he's off, um, if if he's off his game, like he doesn't look as big as he is. Yeah. It's like. It's like, oh, he and he doesn't he, he's kind of almost too aesthetic to be a monster at that point. It's weird. Yeah. It's like you look at him and go, he's just you just don't really notice the size if he's off. But when he's on next to other people, it's like <laughs> this, guy think, just built, yeah. this guy's think, built out of dinosaur bones or something. I think we have to say at this point it's it's so hard to get the condition right at that size. I mean, I was flicking through some of my old magazines from the nineties and it was there was a piece on mass monsters. So it was a piece on Nasser Sambati, uh, Jean-Pierre yeah. Fuchs, Paul Delay, and yeah, they yeah. put them all in the same poses, you know, as a comparison. And then those guys were all about 280, 300. And you look at the conditioning in those shots, it wasn't amazing. Like, you know, people no. talk about 90s conditioning. For those big guys, they were still having the same problems. No, of course, yeah. And, and, and I, Yates, Yates is best placings. He was more like 255, is that right? 265, I think, 265? I think like, like Fuchs had one year where he was stupid. Like, I think it was 96. Yes. Um, he was an awkward looking bodybuilder in some poses, but, <laughs> it was. But, his, but his size was like, Whoa, yeah. uh, the yeah. best of the best of the biggest guys back then was Nasser. And, and it was mostly from the front when he got conditioned mm. at that side, he was 288 at an Arnold that he beat flex at uh, the last Arnold that he won. He was 288 pounds. And if you look at his condition, he's like, he had a vein going from his toe to his head. He was just like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you could see, you could, you could, travel his entire body with no body fat from the front he was always lacking from the back it was um, yeah, it was a great picture i mean it was it's a little bit uh, cringe with those the way they got him to pose back in the 90s so there's a picture of uh, nasa it's, it's a close-up yeah. and all you see is just nasa in a thong with sunglasses on <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's just really weird but he was really the best of it because if you looked at his pictures he's a lot like rammy if you looked at his pictures when he was smaller he looked very aesthetic Yes. It was like, he was like a very, very, he was a very symmetrical guy. Like his left to his right side were almost the same. Yeah. I've actually, um, I, I was looking at pictures of Rami while you were talking of his younger days, his smaller days. He looked tremendous. He had a great shape to him. Yep. Same with Nasser. Like you, mm. you would look at Nasser from like when he turned pro. I think he turned pro. He's like 235 pounds and 245 pounds, maybe something like that. He was much, much smaller. Mm. And he looked like, go find the pictures. He looked like you took a, person folded it down the middle and had like a mirror image he was very <laughs> symmetrical yeah so that that did him a lot of service as he got huge because he, he didn't start to look mishappen he looked very very symmetrical yes even even after he oiled up everything he's you know he started <laughs> look started getting weird but you know yeah, before that he was like when he pushed yates for the title he was he was quite tremendous so yeah, he anyone uh, anyone who pushes yates for a title is, has to be very good yeah i mean yates was so <laughs> dominating back then phenomenal yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's my that's my call. I have it, Ronnie, Dexter, Bonac. I thought Bonac got an absolute gift. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. I feel the way you do about his physique. I don't think he can put any more muscle on. He can mm -hmm. fill out his quads again, but it's like there's nowhere for it to go. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> his elbows are too short. His hips are too big. And what I mean by elbows being too short is like when he's in a frontal bicep, his elbows from his, from his shoulder to his elbows is a short distance. Yeah. His upper arm. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. There's, there's nothing to really fill in there. It just, yes. he has, his arms can't get bigger and it matters. Mm. <clears throat> so he can't take up any more space is what it is. Yeah. He can only take up the space he does, which is not much. Um, you know, with, with what he has, he's done the most for yeah. sure. Right. Exactly. 
So that's my rundown. Awesome. Brilliant. Right. Uh, Alex, I've kept you for long enough, so I'm going uh, gonna to let you uh, crack on. And yes, uh, but thank you very much for coming on for a fifth time. And uh, that was a good one. I enjoyed it. Let's do it every day so I'm not so bored. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. We might have to do that to keep people yeah. entertained. <laughs> All right. Take All right. Care, Cheers, Alex. Thanks.